I don't know how many high schoolers could get programming jobs. So I was very fortunate. Like mm -hmm. I, yeah, I made sure to like make as much of that as I could. Cause I, I, I know like not everybody could do it. Uh, and that same mm -hmm. summer I actually applied for a job at Starbucks and they denied me. So I was like, well, I guess I'll take the programming <laughs> job. Uh, that was probably, you can't be a... probably the better decision. But so. it turned out that a few days later they announced that they were closing their doors. So at that time, that was that was the last developer conference for iOS and Swift in the United States. So I was like, that's not cool. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the iOS Dev Podcast. In this episode, we have Josh host with us. Josh and his wife are the organizers of the Deep Dish Swift conference that takes place in Chicago. Josh is also a senior software engineer at RevenueCat, and he's a lead maintainer of Fastlane. I hope you guys enjoy. How did you get into programming? Uh, so uh, I got into programming back when I was in high school. Uh, my dad is actually a or was a software developer. He's retired now. Uh, so I've been I've been around computers and software my entire life. Uh, I was actually interested more in like a graphics art or accounting kind of career at first, but uh, my high school offered uh, some programming classes that I could start taking my sophomore year. Uh, so my dad suggested I take one and I was like, okay, it sounds interesting. Like, uh, so I signed up for the first one, which was uh, visual basic five, uh, which I don't know if many people still know what that is. Uh, but it was, it, it was mm -hmm. part of like, I, th I think now visual basic is part of .NET, but it's kind of like this nice little drag and drop kind of thing. That was very easy to use. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, it was a good, a good first programming experience. Uh, like the first day of using what kind it, of I was like, did you build? Oh, yeah. uh, the first thing was just a button that, uh, changed text, but like, it was something that you could get working and un understand within like the first 10 minutes. So like, it was cool to actually be like, mm -hmm. okay, like I could make this change, make things happen. And, uh, after that first day, I was like, this is it. Like I knew like that was what I wanted to do, which seems seems really crazy like thinking about it back then but like it just it just clicked it, it was fun it made sense uh so i had a semester of visual basic five um we ended up making like games uh i think i made like a horse racing kind of thing where like horses would move across the screen at different speeds and you could bet on which one you Ooh. wanted to win uh so it was it was it was fun to make this stuff i think i made some like form utility tools uh, and then I wanted to continue on. So the next semester then was, uh, uh, HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. Uh, but that was like around what years was this? That was 2004, 2004. Yeah. 2004, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that was like, I don't even know if jQuery was a thing then or was just starting out. Like it was like pretty raw HTML4 JavaScript stuff. Uh, that was fun too. And then after that, there was a second year, uh, a complete year of Java. Uh, so I did Java for a year and then I was maxed out, uh, but I still wanted to do more programming classes. So I actually did an independent study of Java my senior year. Uh, so coming out of high school, I had three, like three years of programming classes. And then I was also still doing stuff at home on the side for fun. So like I had a, uh, 
uh, Ubuntu uh, machine where I was doing Linux stuff on there, uh, destroying that. Uh, I had a mm -hmm. Uh, a my own server that ran like PHP and MySQL, so I was doing that on the side. Uh, so I, I got a lot of my high school years and my extra time was spent just doing programming because I thought it was fun. And at the time, was I don't think programming was looked at as cool yet, right? Or no, my my classes in high school had like maybe ten people in them. And uh, when I was picking out what I wanted for a degree, I wanted software engineering. And at the time, there were only like 10 schools in the entire U.S. that offered a software engineering degree. So like this was like this, like computer science was was around for a while, obviously. But like the software engineering being its own thing was 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 new. And yeah, there was not a lot of people who were interested in development uh at the time so it was it was kind of a fun time fun time to learn too because like there wasn't a lot of material online i think i owned 15 programming books that i read from copied examples from mm -hmm. so it, it, it felt like a very a very different time than uh how to learn right now yeah and was there like any online communities that you would go to or was it with friends that you would talk about it or you were just doing this all along um, uh, let's see, in high school, I had two friends in my high school that I, I think I could, like, talk development with. Uh, one of the guys actually gave me my first Ubuntu disk, which was Ubuntu 6.04, uh, which anybody who is not familiar with that, it's a l Linux t t t distribution. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I installed that over windows on one of my computers. Um, and I learned a lot from that and he helped me out. So yeah, I had, I had like, I had two, two or three friends that I could talk development with. Um, but my dad was also mm -hmm. a developer at that point for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I talked with him a bunch about that stuff too. What kind of development did he do? Uh, so he worked for a banking company. Uh, so he started off doing, I think, COBOL, uh, which uh, that was yeah. way back yeah. in the day. Uh, but then he ended up doing Java for a majority of his career. Um, and I actually got to work with him for four years. Uh I, uh, before mm. I before before I started college, I actually got a uh, a development like uh, internship, just because I had three years experience and my dad also worked there, which helped. But uh, so I mm -hmm. basically had I started my my first programming job right after high school, uh, doing Java. Mm. Uh, not I don't know if I push anything really big to the banking world then i think i was doing more like internal development mm -hmm. tools which makes a lot of sense now why i enjoy development tools um but uh yeah so i was at i was at that job mm -hmm. for four years i ended up i ended up uh uh i was on like the mobile banking team uh but more from like the back end perspective and i never really touched any front end mobile and at that time mobile was mm -hmm. like banking through text messages uh, which is also <laughs> very weird. Yeah.
Damn, that's so cool about like programming in general that like straight out of high school you're able to get a job. Yeah, it was it was weird. Like yeah, it was it was prop like I don't know how many how many like high schoolers could get programming jobs. So I was very fortunate. Like mm-hmm. I yeah, I made sure to like make as much of that as I could because I, I I know like not everybody could do it. Uh and that same mm-hmm. summer I actually applied for a job at Starbucks and they denied me. So I was like, well, I guess I'll take the programming job. <laughs> uh, that was probably you can't be a... probably the better decision. So uh, I mean, I I didn't have a choice. So I'm just glad that that happened. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> you can't be a barista, but you could be a, a programmer. <laughs> Here I am. So yeah, I guess uh, if I would have got the coffee job, I'd probably oh. be a coffee expert now or something. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> And wait, were you going to school at the same time or did you just, were you able to like skip school or like not school, but college? Uh, no. So after, yeah, I had, I had a, a summer of the internship and I went to college after that for software engineering. I went to the Milwaukee School of Engineering, uh, which is where I was from. So luckily one of the 10 schools that mm-hmm. had software engineering was right down the street. Um so during during that first summer of college, I still had the internship, but I would only like work during my uh, breaks. Um, but then during my mm-hmm. other three years of school, they actually allowed me to work remote, uh, which was kind of cool. Now that I think about it, uh, so like I I actually worked yeah. uh, I worked remote for three years, like from my dorm uh, for them, uh, and I would go in during the <laughs> summers and breaks as well. Then you you were like ahead of the game. <laughs> you were, I you I were ahead of the game like working remote. I loved and then... computers a ton. Yeah, I I, I yeah. couldn't get enough. Uh, yeah, it was it was. I'm glad I had that passion because it, it it definitely affected where I ended up today. And after college, did you did you stick with the the banking or did you like venture mm. out somewhere else? No, that this is also kind of a, a whole thing as well. So uh, I want to try something new. Cause I was already at the banking place for four years and I was, I was pretty happy there. Like I didn't, I didn't know much about anything else. Like I would have been fine. Um, but I, I was like, I'm going to try something new. So I applied to a few places and I took a job at a company called Rockwell Collins. They're like a military contractor. Um, they, they, they basically do the programming for planes like the screens guidance systems all that kind of stuff um so i applied for that and i was i got a job on an internal graphics team um where we would like make the graphics libraries for all the different displays uh, which i thought was fun it was new um sounded exciting but at that same time uh three of my friends introduced me to the startup world like I didn't know startups were a thing, um, and we uh, we participated in a twenty four hour hackathon, which sounds terrible right now. I could have I couldn't do it, <laughs> but uh, we there was four four uh, four engineers and a designer, and we ended up making a uh, a guided tour app um, where like you you as a tour guide could design a tour in 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 your town and then the mobile app would guide a person through it directions explain different things 
um, and we made an Android app, the back end, uh, and the website all within 24 hours. Um, and it's something that actually Airbnb released like six years later. So we were yeah. onto something, but, uh, when we were in this yeah. hackathon, we actually then got the accepted again, <laughs> again, again. Oh, there's, there's again, a few times, actually, there's another story after this too. Um, but, uh, we ended up going in, getting accepted into an Acceler incubator incubator, uh, for the summer after college for this idea. So I was working at the, uh, at Rockwell Collins during the day and then moonlighting on the startup at night. Uh, and it turned out the startup was a lot more fun because I was the mobile dev there. Um, it was a lot more fun than working. Well, I actually got switched teams at Rockwell Collins. I was, I got moved to the Blackhawk team, which was in a four year testing phase. So I only wrote 10 lines of code the entire time I was there. So I ended up actually just uh, quitting after two months because uh, I, I hated it. It was, I was, I was so depressed. It was not, not the place for me. Um, and that was in Iowa. Uh, so I ended up moving back to <laughs> Milwaukee. Um, we got offers to get additional funding for our, our startup, but it turned out that none of us actually liked tourism at the time. And we were young and didn't really know much about traveling. So, uh, we ended up starting a software consulting agency instead. Um, and I was the first one to go full-time because I already quit my job. But, uh, when I was, when I had enough full-time work, one of my friends then did work at night when he did enough nighttime work, he quit his job and joined full-time. Uh, so we dominoed all four of us into, uh, working at our agency, uh, in eight months, I think. Um, yeah. so we kind of like specialized in more of like the startup kind of world. Um, and in Milwaukee, we were kind of like a big fish in a small pond. Cause there's not really much outside of like .NET dev or PHP in Milwaukee. Um, mm -hmm. so us doing mobile and, uh, that kind of stuff made us stand out a little bit. So I, yeah. I was part of that company, uh, with my, with my friends. And what for, year was this? This was 2011. Yeah. Um, so this, the fall that this, this was the fall after college, uh, that we started this. And then I, then we ran with that for 10 years. Um, and I and left. I left December, no, uh, November of 2021. And what, what was like your initial foray into mobile? Was it, it was at the bank, right? Or, uh, so that's when, like mobile uh, development. The, the, yeah, the, the bank was when I like first started thinking of mobile as like, uh, as a platform, but I really got excited when I f saw my first, uh, first iPhone, uh, somebody brought the iPhone into my oh, dorm room in college and they were showing us, uh, Shazam. And I was like, right. Shazam is that the, the, the yeah, music yeah. one. Yeah. 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 And I was like, oh, yeah. that's, that's insane. Like, that's so cool. But, uh, I couldn't get an iPhone cause I wasn't on AT&T. Um, so I ended up getting an Android phone, uh, about a year later and then started doing development on that. Um, so I was originally an Android dev, uh, first from like 2009 until 2011. 
Um, my first, I think my first app on Google Play, it was in uh, an SMS autoresponder. So like an away message kind of thing. So if you were driving, you could say, hey, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Um, and that actually got like 20,000 downloads, uh, which I thought was insane. So like, I thought it was so cool that I could like just push out apps and people could like just use them on their phones. Uh, so I was pretty hooked mm -hmm. to mobile after that. Um, and then I switched to iOS in 2011 when we started the agency because kind of needed to do both. Um, yeah. So there I, there I still did both, but I found nope. iOS a lot more fun. And around that time, like the, the app development game was like booming, right? Like there was a lot of people who were wanting to build apps or yeah. had like app ideas. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was huge. Yeah. We were doing lots of mobile apps, not very successful ones, but, um, yeah, I think at one time I was working on like four or five different ones at once, which at the time I was young, I had energy, I could handle it. I couldn't do it anymore. It was. It was, yeah. it was just too much to, to handle, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty good time to do mobile dev. Cause yeah, there was just so many different requests for everything. Uh, it didn't seem like every idea was taken. Um, so yeah, we, we were pretty busy with mobile work for quite a while. What was your favorite projects throughout that time? Oh, so one of my fav, oh, okay. I have two client projects that were my favorite. One is a small one, one's a bigger one. And then I, then we also had another startup idea, which was also pretty cool. But I think one of my favorite ones was actually for ice fishing. Are you familiar with ice fishing at all? Not really. No. Okay. So no. when you ice fish, uh, you can, you drill the hole and you can put a flag in there. And then when, when there is a fish on the line, the flag goes up. Um, but you usually have to be like seeing the flag be close to it can't be in your hut. Um, so uh, this one guy ended up making a little uh, Bluetooth low energy device that would go on the flag. And when the flag would go up, it would activate the device. And then you get an alert to your phone mm -hmm. saying, hey, you got a fish. So like, it was super cool. So you could just like throw a whole bunch of these out hang out in your little ice hut and then just all of a sudden be like, okay, alert, let's go get the fish. So like that one was super cool. Cause it was like a fun hardware project. Um, it was for a very local startup cause I was based in Wisconsin. So like ice fishing is a big thing. Um, so that was one of like the fun, smaller ones you got to work on. Um, I worked on a app called Rex. Um, it was a, like a recommendation social uh, social app. Um, it had quite a bit of funding for a while. It was featured on the app store. Um, but it was like, it was basically like a social network where you just like pick things that you like movies, books, uh, plays, restaurants, and follow people on that. And kind of just, it was, it was very, it was kind of like, it was kind of like in the form of Twitter, but like very much about things that you like, enjoy. Um, so that one was awesome. It got really big. Uh, they had some internal funding problems eventually that, that it died, but that one was fun. Cause it was, it was more like an actual, like big VC funded kind of startup thing that kind of, 
uh, we could ride along uh, for fun. And then we had another startup idea, which was before its time, but it was called Tapper, uh, T-A-P-P-R. And it was a ordering app for ordering drinks at restaurants and bars. Um, so you would, instead of going up to the bar, placing your order, waiting however long, you could just open your phone, buy a drink, wait till it's done, go up to the bar, show your phone, and boom, drink is 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 uh all done uh so we were in 13 mm -hmm. bars in milwaukee with that one um we got featured in a south by southwest with that one um and it was it was super cool it was before like starbucks had their mobile ordering and all this kind of stuff um so mobile ordering was was like a super new thing uh at this yeah. point um and it was neat because like you could actually order a drink while walking to a bar so that when you got to the bar uh it was there um and for me i have a stutter which as you can tell so like going to bars mm -hmm. is my least favorite thing like i hate going up to the, them and like saying this is what i want like i just i can't do it mm -hmm. so being able to use my phone to do this was like mm -hmm. just amazing for me um it turns out that uh, one working with bars and restaurants is not fun. Uh, it's a whole industry that you have to like try and manage. Not there's not a lot of responsibility there. Uh, bartenders would often turn off the iPad behind the bar because they thought their tips were coming from the social interaction. Uh, when it turned out that through Tapper, our default or our like average tip percentage was like twenty three percent. So like if you were doing drinks through this you were actually getting a higher tip percent because it was just easier to do that um so after a few years we just kind of shut it down because it was it was tough in hindsight we probably could have held on for a little bit longer and sold it to square or something like that but uh that was a fun one to work on because yeah. it was it was our own product we were young we can go into the bars to to, to test things out uh but uh yeah that was that one was one that I think we were also a little bit before its time. And what caused the you guys to like shut down the consulting firm? Uh, so I I left first. Uh, um, I just needed a change. I got a little bit tired of making the same like login screens and everything over and over again. I went to work on an actual <laughs> product that can move forward something that was more development tool related. So uh, that's why I joined Revenue Cat in December of 2021. Because um, that's kind of where my interests kind of pointed to uh, now. Um, like I was using Revenue Cat in my own indie apps for a year and a half at that point. Um, and I just loved what they did, everything about it. So I was like, I think I want to join. So it was a, it was a, it was a tough decision to leave. Um cuz the company had like 10 or 12 employees, so it was it kind of felt weird to like leave everyone. It was pretty much my entire professional career. Uh put so much into it, but it just felt like it was time for me to leave. And how was the the shift into revenue cat? Uh it was actually pretty seamless. Um 
like I was already working remote. Uh, I like I said, I worked remote at my internship for like three years. Uh, I was working remote uh, at my agency since 2016. Uh, so like from a from like a work environment standpoint, it was pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it was different. Like it was it was a lot less stressful like having employees during the pandemic and trying to deal with all of that and like the PPP loans and everything and uh, worrying about where clients were going to come from and all that kind of stuff while having one kid at the time was just, it was just a, a lot of stress that I didn't really want yeah. to have. So uh, switching to a job where like I had less business responsibilities and can actually focus more on engineering and developer community and developer tools uh, was really enjoyable and refreshing. What would you say is the biggest benefit of using RevolutCat over something like StoreKit? There are, so there's a lot. Uh, one, I, I yeah. mean, uh, the, 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 the first one is, I mean, as a mobile developer and an indie developer, I don't want to do backend development or anything like that. I want to limit as much time I'm doing outside of like busy work and focus on my product. Um, and my product in my apps isn't store kit. It's not dealing with app store server notifications. It's not dealing with subscriptions and all that. My product is my apps. So if I can offload as much of that that work uh as i can easy decision um so like when i put revenue cat into my first app it took me an hour and a half to do uh now in new apps it takes me 10 minutes um and so i'm yes. saving 40 hours a four weeks of work doing all the store kit back end work uh, and any Apple migrations that I ha that, you, that, that you have to do. Um, and once you do one platform uh, with Re Re Revenue Cat, the other ones are easy. So like if you are a cross-platform app, it's the same thing on each one. Super easy to do, a few lines of code. Backend is all there for you. Like you don't have to worry about anything, which is super nice. Um, so like it, you you don't have to know StoreKit. You don't have to know all the subscription logic. You don't have to know billing issues, any of that. You just put a few lines in the, in the SDK and uh, you have subscriptions. So it, it, it really allows you to focus on your product and your customers rather than subscription stuff, which you don't need to be an expert in. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree because I've been using Revenue Cat for these last few indie projects I've been working on. And yeah. Like it's gotten quicker and it's very s seamless and smooth. It's like once you do it, like at least once or twice, like it's it's like a breeze integrating in into your app, and then you have like the whole subscription. Yeah, it's set up. It's insane. Yeah, like uh, when we when we upgraded from StoreKit one to StoreKit two, that was a huge change. Like it took our team a year to do, which we do have to like spend more time mm -hmm. to make it sure it works for every developer. But if you were doing that yourself, like that's a lot of stuff to pull out and rework. Um, and when we upgraded from billing client four to billing client five for Google play, that was nine months of work for our team. 
over like four developers, uh, both backend and SDK. So like if you're an indie developer, you shouldn't want to do any of that. Uh, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's nice to offload it to the, to the experts, uh, which I guess I fall under that now since I work for them, but I still don't feel like an expert, but we have an amazing team. So yeah. all together, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's so nice to use. And how would you explain, um, Fastlane to an iOS developer who doesn't really know what that is? <sighs> That's a good question. I, I always struggle with this one. Uh, so, um, so Fastlane is a, it's a, uh, an automation tool, uh, for that you can use to do a lot of tedious tasks around mobile development, including building your app, taking screenshots, uh, uploading to the app store, releasing, um, and many other, uh, uh, mobile, mobile tasks, uh, outside of that as well. Uh, so it is at the heart, a, a, a scripting tool, uh, that has a lot of like plugins built into it that kind of take care of all this, uh, all this for you. So some of the things, uh, allow you to not interact with app store connect anymore. So you can just script things out. And the nice thing is your, your process is now written down. Um, and so it's, it, 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 it's kind of like a nice document and process that you can put into, into your, uh, source control. Um, so that anybody who needs to release an app, take screenshots, uh, all this stuff, it's, all there and it can get run automatically. You don't have to write out, oh, go click this button, do this thing. Everything is going to get missed. Like it's everything is there. Usually just run single command and uh, it just does all the stuff. And what's, what's your favorite part of like favorite part of maintaining or favorite part of using fast links? I think those or, are probably right. oh. both. We get one at one. Uh, you can do one at a time. Okay. Uh, so I think my favorite part of maintaining Fastlane is just being around the community. Like the community is absolutely amazing. I've never seen a, uh, healthier open source community. Like usually when you go into some communities, some web development ones, like it's you're pretty intimidated. There's like some rude people in there that'll just bash you. Like I try and stay out of those. It's not really, uh, um, not really my thing, but like this community, I have had very few negative experiences. Uh, everybody's just so thankful for like what fast lane does and saving time. Um, that like, it's, it's just full of great people. Um, so like, that's something that like, not everybody gets to experience in the open source world. And it's something that like, I personally enjoy and maintain. Cause I, I, I get to see this community and know that like, they're actually like good, healthy open source communities. And like, that's, that's a thing that people can actually do. Um, my favorite part of like using Fastlane in my own apps, uh, is that 
yeah, I don't have to go to App Store Connect ever again. Like, I, I, I don't want to go click buttons. It's it's it, it's not fun. Run one command and then things just work. Code signing, screenshots, uploading. Like I can like run a deploy command and then just go leave my computer, go cook food, hang out with the kids, and then the app gets deployed. Like it's it's just so easy. Yeah. Oh wait, so like even. Even for like uploading a test flight and like first getting your app on the app store, it, it'll do that for you as well. Uh, yeah, everything can be automated, uh, from the start, uh, including, yeah, creating your app on the app store, uh, creating all of your certs, your app in the, in the, in the developer portal, uh, writing your, or saving your metadata for, uh, like your uh title description all that stuff yeah it, it can literally do everything that the app store connect dashboard does um yeah. but it does it in two ways uh one you can use you can you can auth in two ways um the previous form was with apple id uh which is the most powerful because we reverse engineer all of app store connects apis but uh, it's not super great that you have to give us that information. Um, and with two-factor auth, you have to do the two-factor auth every now and then. So it is kind of annoying. Um, but you can also do most of Fastlane's capabilities with the App Store Connect API key. Um, the one thing the App Store Connect API key doesn't let you do is actually create a new app uh, on App Store Connect for security reasons, which I don't really get because we already allow you to do that through the Apple ID. So might as well just allow us to do it more secure with the App Store Connect API key. Uh, but my radar on that doesn't get looked at. Uh, but yeah, you can do literally everything uh, on App Store Connect with Fastlane. Then that's something worth checking out then because you set that up like once and it's just, it'll be like a smooth process for all your future yeah. indie apps, right? Yeah, there's uh yeah, there's very very few things that you ever have to like update. We we make everything most times backwards compatible. Uh so any any fast lane updates shouldn't shouldn't break any anything. If something does break, it's usually uh caused by an Apple API change or Xcode change or something. Uh, which we try and get fixes out as fast as we can. Sometimes they take longer. Uh, what one was that? I was dub dub two thousand twenty, uh, where they released like a whole bunch of new App Store Connect API key or App Store Connect APIs, and I think I spent like three full weeks rewriting the Deliver tool, uh, mm. which is the one that yeah. does like the. <laughs> uh pushing of everything from your app and metadata to app store connect uh mm -hmm. so that one i think i got a fix like an initial fix out in a few days but that was uh that was probably our slowest change but it was also the the biggest one that we really ever had to do but most mm -hmm. things are pretty stable now yeah you write it once you don't really have to change too much what was your inspiration behind uh, Deep Dish Swift, by the way? Uh, so, so uh, 
for everyone yeah, who doesn't know, Deep Dish Swift is the uh, iOS and Swift developer conference that I hosted in April slash May of this year. Um, so I, I've been into public speaking, uh, which is also a weird thing because I've had a stutter since I was like six. Um, and I hate public speaking, hate talking in bars, restaurants, ordering food. Um, but, uh, around when I was 25, I decided like, I needed to start like working, working on this, becoming more confident in speaking. Um, so I, I decided I want to like get, get into public speaking, um, a little bit. So I started, uh, at my, at my school, uh, going back into, to speak, uh, I spoke at some local meetups, um, but then I was wanting to go a li little bit bigger. Uh, so I decided to start trying to speak at like developer conferences. Uh, so I started my, my first developer conference speaking in like 2019. Uh, and I did it for a few years and like, it was, it was super cool to be able to like do that. Like I would have never thought I would have been like on stage in front of 100, 200, 300 people like saying words uh it's just a very weird thing uh so like i kind of have a, a a big passion for public speaking because like it's this thing that i've overcome um and one of my favorite developer conferences was 360i dev in denver and uh i last last year i had to leave it early because my wife was in labor uh so i only i i left halfway through um Ooh. And, uh, so like I, I came back with like this high of like, I want more conferences, uh, cause I had to leave, which totally fine. Um, but it turned out that a few days later they announced that they were closing their doors. So at that time that was, that was the last developer conference for iOS and Swift in the United States. Uh, so I was like that, Ooh. that's, that's not cool. Because uh, all oh, wow. comp was gone, <laughs> Try Swift wasn't planning on hosting anything anymore. Um, at the time, it was at, I think it was actually the there was no more in North America because Swift Toronto also didn't announce anything. Um, so like it was it was like a dead zone for iOS conferences. Uh, so I was joking with my friends. I was like, maybe I should just start one. Uh, but like before I start something, it needs a good name. Um, so, uh, one of my friends thought of pizza kit and I'm like, that's, I mean, I do like pizza and Chicago has deep dish pizza, but like, it's, it's not, mm. it's not really like, it's not really like, it doesn't really say much. Yeah. Uh, so then I said deep dish swift and like, that was it like that. That just felt so, so right. It was so interesting, but it was still like, it, it, it felt Chicago. It felt swift. It felt like very like indie feeling with a fun name. Um, so, uh, I bought the domain and, uh, bought the domain, got an icon made, talked to my wife. I was like, I think I started a developer conference and, uh, <laughs> she was like, how can I help? And I was like, oh, okay. So like now this is like a family thing. So uh I would have not been able to do it without her. Um she did a lot of like the venue vendor stuff, all of like the the, the stuff that I'm not great at. Uh I was more mm -hmm. of like the 
idea, social media marketing, speaker kind of things. So uh, we actually worked on this together. And a lot of it was actually done uh, right after our daughter was born uh, when we were both on our uh, leaves from work. Uh, so we had like, we both had like 10 weeks to just work on this, which actually worked out pretty well. Uh, it was a fun side project while having a newborn. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the inspiration was pretty much, there was no conferences and I wasn't going to let that happen. Um, and it turned out way better than I expected. Uh, I was expecting 125 attendees or 150. We ended up having 312. Uh, we used up the entire venue and overflowed into some other spaces that they allowed us to overflow in. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was a crazy experience. I didn't know how it was going to turn out, but, uh, yeah, it's, and I think it's going to happen. It's going to at least happen again next year. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a yearly recurring thing or just whenever I want to do it. Uh, it was, it, it was super fun, exhausting. Uh, I just recently got unburned out from it. Like I was socially burned out for about a month and a half. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was probably one of the best decisions I made. What did you do to recharge? I ignored a lot of social media, uh, for a long time. Like I couldn't even do anything. Uh, so pretty much just didn't talk to anyone. Uh, and then went on a family vacation, uh, to Punta Cana and came back and then I felt great. So I just needed, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm a, I'm a huge introvert. So like being like that on for that long was just, <laughs> uh, it hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. What? Well, then I also had a, uh, I had a revenue cat team offsite the following week. And then I went to Miami for Google IO connect after that. So I think those mm -hmm. those three, those two trips afterwards too probably also uh, added into my exhaustion. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's most likely going to happen again next year unless a weird circumstances happen. What were your biggest challenges for uh, when putting it all together? Uh the biggest challenges were uh, the the AV vendor. Uh, was kind of a whole thing. Um, when we initially booked the place, they uh, gave us a price sheet and we put the prices together and we're like, okay, we can do this. And then we booked the place and then we talked to the AV vendor again and they gave us uh, a whole different pricing scheme, like magnitudes different. Uh, like just to, just to be transparent, like we were, we, we were expecting like 12 to 15, $15,000 in AV costs for uh, speakers, projectors, power, Wi-Fi, that kind of stuff. Uh, the, the, this was the, the in-house AV, AV provider. Uh, the initial quote they gave us was 70000 like 70000. Uh, and I was like, that is absolutely insane. These projectors and microphones and Wi-Fi <laughs> is going to cost like yeah. double the food of all the attendees. Like that makes no sense. So we ended up going with an external provider 
that was much more reasonable to what we expected, but we still had to pay the in-house provider for Wi-Fi and power. So we went a little bit over in our estimates, but I ended up getting more sponsors, which ended up actually working out well because uh, I loved having all the sponsors there. I think the attendees all enjoyed talking to the sponsors. Like it actually made the hallway a little bit more, uh, it made the hallway track a little bit more uh, lively. So I think it, it ended up for the better, but definitely look at all of your costs before agreeing to uh, to a place. That was one thing I learned. Dan, um, how did who came up with the logo? Because the logo is pretty impressive. Like, I like the the swift bird and then the pizza slice. Yeah, so that was actually Matthew Skiles. Uh, if we could drop him in the show notes, but uh, he's done a lot of uh, yeah, icons yeah, yeah. for indie developers. Uh, I first saw him doing a lot of uh, Apollo icons for Christian Seelig. Uh, and he did one of mine and I reached out to him. I was like, uh, do you do like conference logos? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm starting to conference and I have no ideas, but it needs to involve Swift, Chicago and pizza. And that's, that's all I gave him. Like I didn't give him any doodles or anything, just that. And then like three days later, he sent me that. And I was like, that logo is just is just perfect uh so yeah i was i was a huge fan of his work and even more of a fan now um but yeah i i i had no ideas for the logo i wasn't gonna come up with anything even close to that so i'm super thankful that he was the one that kind of created all that and was that i'm guessing those few days were like a breeze right like they just flew by oh yeah yeah it was yeah it was it was weird how fast they flew by. Um, I didn't really get to sit down too much during those days. I think I started sitting down the last day, but uh, we had some AV issues the first day uh, because it turns out that there's a length limit to how long HDMI cables can be. And our external AV vendor didn't know how far the the computers were away from the projectors. So we had some AV going in and out because the HDMI was too long. So the first night they had to swap out uh, HDMI for SDI, SPI, something like that. I don't remember the words, but basically higher quality cables that don't lose their data over length. Uh, so uh that was stressful because things were going in and out the first day uh and then i was just stressed the second day because i want to make sure everything was still good but the third day i could finally relax a little bit but uh yeah i'm hoping hoping next year when we have things a little bit more smoother i can actually like sit and watch everything yeah (laughs) yeah did you even get some sleep (laughs) Uh, no, I didn't. I did not. I tried to uh, socialize and meet as many people as I could. Uh, so yeah, it was a few hours of sleep each night, uh, which it's fine. I I don't feel the pain from not sleeping anymore. So it was it was uh yeah, <laughs> it was all fun. How did having children impact your activities as a developer? Uh, I get to spend a lot less time 
developing, but also it's totally worth it. Like I think I was too too into it too much. It was all I did. Um and I think it made me a little bit more uh it more productive and thoughtful in like the development that I actually do. Like when I was doing it, I was just doing mm. stuff like I don't even know if I was learning. It was fun. I just felt like I I, I had to do development now because I have less time to do it when I do it. Like it's, it's actually, it's, 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 it's more on purpose and for things that like, I actually like want to do will improve me or like things I can make. So it's not just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I have to do it all the time now. Um, and a lot of the, and like some of the things that I've done development have like been inspired by my kids or for my kids. Um, so it kind of gives me like a new, a new thing uh a new area to like make make things for um like i got an app that i haven't released yet that's called playpen um and it's it it was for my son uh he would take our phones a lot um and he liked to watch uh he was watching sesame street or i actually like to watch videos of uh of himself but like giving him access to the phone and watching photos app, like he could delete stuff. Um, but I could also, yes. so, so then I started putting it on, um, uh, what, what's the, uh, I did access mode, but like got an access mode. You have to like unlock, lock, unlock, unlock to like keep replaying things. So I ended up making Playpen, which was an app that, you had like mini activities in it. So I I could configure YouTube uh, videos of himself to just watch over and over again uh, and then control it through my Apple watch. So like he was locked into playpen. I could change what he was watching without having to like steal the phone from him, unlock it. Uh, So that's something that I wouldn't have made ever if it wasn't for him. Um, And it was my first apple watch app too which is something i've been wanting to make i just never found a reason to use it because i didn't have a reason to use my watch over my phone except for when my son had my phone so like it definitely provides like a, a it's it's a lot less time for developing but i feel like when i'm developing i'm developing and making things that actually matter to to me now yeah yeah, it's, it's made you more thoughtful in what you're like spending your time on, right? Exactly, yeah. And when the, are you planning on releasing the releasing it the the playpen? I was planning on releasing it uh, January of this year, but then I started Deep Dish, so that took some priority oh. <laughs> uh, over releasing an app. And then I got burned out, and then uh, so yeah, it's still it's still there. I still use it. Um, I'm just trying to figure out like what how how I want my time to be in the future. Like, do I want to actually release, like release this app and like try and make it work and then maintain it. But then like, that's like unknown amounts of time that I have to like support when like family has priority. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure like if it's something that I want to pursue. Um, but I'm also working on making a fishing game, uh, which is something more personal to me uh that i that i would much rather like keep working on that and releasing releasing that uh just because like my kids i mean they're 
two and a half and 10 months. So like this app that I made will, it, it can be used by them for a few years, but I worried like after, after they're old enough, like, then do I still want to work on it? And do I want, like, I don't want to like, I don't know if it is my long-term app that I want to maintain. So I think that's holding me back from releasing it at the moment, or I could just put mm. it out there for free and not care. But, uh, I'm mm. trying to, I'm trying to like divest all of all the things that I'm currently doing, uh, to just try and like make it more time for, uh, my f- family and myself and uh, a little bit have less less stress about things I have to maintain in my head. Yeah. That's good. Maybe there's some developers here who also have children who maybe, maybe they like that idea. Maybe they'll reach out to you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if somebody, if somebody wants to help me with it, release it, maintain it, like that seems fine. Uh, if, if I don't have any plans to do it, might as well release and have somebody help. And you mentioned earlier that around age 25, you, you kind of decided to, to kind of step out of your shell and overcome the stutter. Yeah. So what, what, uh, like what, what caused that? Was there like any particular event or? I, I think I like at that time, like that's when I started doing fast lane and like getting into like the mobile dev community. And I had like so many things that I wanted to like say to other people, like through meetups or conferences that like, I was too scared of not being able to physically say it. Uh, and that was, it, it, it just felt very depressing. Like having all, all these cool thoughts, things that I want to share. And like, I couldn't actually share it. I mean, I could do a blog post and stuff, but like, I wanted to actually like go out and meet people and talk about this stuff. Um, so it it just got kind of like this, like I was tired of carrying this weight and this fear of like how people would, uh, um, uh, word here, uh, like see me if I stutter, um, like, am I still an expert in this material if I can't talk about it? So there was like a lot of fear in that. Uh, but I, I had this realization that if I like, I'm, I'm more comfortable talking to people that know I have a stutter, uh, like that, that relaxes me. Um, so I started when I do talks, that's the first thing I talk about is that I have a stutter. Uh, like that's like my first slide It's explaining my stutter and like how it affects yes. me, what I can do, what I can't do. And that relaxes me and allows, allows me to like keep talking afterwards. And if I stutter, people know to expect it. They're not confused why, like I'm blanking out on stage, like it's expected. And then I actually stutter less. Uh, so, uh, for me, it's, it's, it's nice that like, I can get that out of the way and explain it, but I think it, it also it's also been an inspiration to other stutterers as well. Like after I've spoken, I've been reached out to by uh, a handful of other people with uh, speech issues uh, that feel like they want to go do the same thing now. Like, Hey, 
Like, this is the thing that, like, you did. I think I can do this, too. And, like, I want to, like, try and inspire other stutterers to go talk. Because, like, it's not... Well, for me, it's it's not as scary as I thought. Like, being on stage is a very different talking environment than, like, talking to people face-to-face. Uh, like, I think I breathe and project my voice in a different way where I actually stutter less or don't stutter at all. Um so like it, it's 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 kind of cool to like discover all these things over these years um, that I wish I would have known throughout middle school, high school, because uh, it would have made things a lot easier then. But uh, at least I discovered that now. And what uh what was like the first steps you took when you decided oh I'm gonna try to overcome this? Um uh the f- the first one was I actually did a blog post um kind of like explain that i have a stutter and like how it affects me um uh, and it turns out a lot of my friends and like family didn't know about it uh because i like hit it so well uh i hit it behind not talking or uh behind like not really talking about anything serious just like talking about like things on the fly where like I knew I wouldn't stutter. Um, so I wrote the blog post and posted it on Facebook and Twitter and like got a lot of positive feedback on it. And like a lot of people were like, I didn't know that you stuttered. So like uh, that was, that was the first, the first big thing was essentially like coming out to everyone like, Hey, this is an issue that I have that I've been struggling with, but I'm ready to be more open about it and overcome it. So I'll, mm. I'll link you to that one too. Yeah, if. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you want to throw yeah. that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw the, it's, uh, it's on your blog, right? On the site? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's one of my first blog posts, actually. All right. Thank you for coming on the show, Josh. Where can the people find you? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and I can be found uh, at Josh D. Holtz at most places. So at Josh D. Holtz on Twitter slash X, whatever it's called these days uh at josh yeah. d holtz at mastodon.social i believe that's what it is uh at josh d holtz on threads uh what else am i on at josh d holtz on github uh but then my website is joshholtz.com for some reason i should really fix that <laughs> uh but uh all my things are linked together so it shouldn't be too hard to mm. find the rest after you find me in one place all right oh and quick question i saw yeah. on your twitter you have the the arm emoji and the rocket so is there a story behind that or is that just so uh the rocket is fast lane always been fast lanes like thing um and then the muscle is one i've been using for a while i was a I was a gymnast for 10 years and then uh, I did, I was a cheerleader for four years and then I did rock climbing. So like uh, the, the muscle use, the use of the muscle emoji yeah. kind of comes from, from like those, those three things. So that's kind of my like thumbs up, let's do this emoji. And yeah, that rocket is uh, fast lanes emoji. So I just kind of combine them together. I use that a lot in my fast lane pull requests when I approve them. So that just kind of comes with me <laughs> everywhere I go. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the I Was Dev podcast. If you enjoyed the show, 
Make sure you guys like, comment, share, subscribe, and consider sending this to a fellow developer. If you want to support the show, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and even consider joining the Patreon.